Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Craig, superintendent for West Aurora Schools, and this is podcast number 11, and we're just really, really excited to have uh, our guest, uh, Dr. Terry Collette, who is our principal at Hope D. Wall School. And welcome to our podcast, Dr. Collette. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks uh, for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, you have a unique story that we want to help tell, and uh, our podcasts have been really surrounding um, introducing members of our organization to our community, uh, people that have a, a, a unique story, um, and be able to just talk, you know, introduce people about who they are. Sometimes you see a name and a face, and there's more to the name and the face sometimes. So we're glad you're here. So you, uh, one of the things that's very unique is that you are a lifelong student and now employee in our district. Um, and really, for you, it's, uh, it's kind of a family affair. It is. Uh, can you share a little bit about uh, what that means? Uh, kind of, maybe I piqued the interest of some of our listeners, but uh, talk about your involvement, uh, your family's involvement, and kind of your travels in D129. All right. So um, I, was, I was born and raised in Aurora. I went to the schools here in Aurora. Um, my, my father actually was the first one of our group that, that started working here in the district. He started working here in... I want to say 1967. Wow. And I think he was, at the time, maybe at Lincoln Elementary School. He was a custodian there. He was a custodian in the district for, I think, 26 years, uh, the last 18 of which he was at McClary School. So he was working at McClary uh, in the late 70s when I was born. And so I'm, sh- I'm certain shortly after I was born. You had I to was, rub that in, didn't I was, you? A little bragging about when you were well, born. <laughs> <laughs> When I mentioned my sister later and the fact that she's retiring later this year, I'll rub okay, it in again. That'll so work. it's yeah, okay. Thanks. No, it's it's okay. So um so yeah, I'm pretty sure like right after I was born, my dad probably brought me to school to like show me off to the other teachers that were there. And so I'm literally right after I was born, I was involved in the schools here. Um and I you know, I went to school at McClary Elementary School, moved from McClary to Jefferson, moved from Jefferson to West High. Um, while I was a student at West High, uh, I started working at McClary School as a night custodian. No kidding. So I did that uh, from my sophomore year in high school until uh, just before I resigned that position to start teaching at Hopewell. And uh, at the time, um, see, my dad worked for the schools for a period of time, and then my sister still works for the schools, Judy, at, uh, over at McCleary. Uh, my brother, Alan, was actually a custodian at Hopewell back during the 80s. Um, my sister, Kieran, was a custodian in the district for a while, and my sister, Helen, was a parapro here in the district for a while. So we've literally all been involved here somehow. So it is not an <clears throat> understatement. To say no, it's a family affair. Not at all. That's not incredible. At all. Not at all. What a great collective. And so then I did start teaching at Hopewell uh, in 1999. And I did that for 16 years, except for two years when I worked out of the central office uh, as a teacher on special yes. assignment, working through some of our evaluation system changes. Um, went back to Hopewell for a year, and then now I'm the principal there. This is my fourth year doing that. What a, what a unique circle. That's outstanding. Well, I, I tell you what, it's... Um, <clears throat> You know, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, about where your passion comes from. But obviously, uh, when your entire family is is engaged in our school district, um, unless there's just a real different aberration that's, that hits, uh, it's, it's not hard to see where that happens. So, but people do talk, you know, so, you know, you know, see mom or dad and sister, brothers and, and everybody that are involved. But sometimes, you know, you want to you want to stray away from that. Um, and maybe just get away from the whole education gig in, in general. So, so where is your education passion? I mean, specific to, to Dr. Terry Collette, um, what, what drove you to be and go where you've gone? Well, you know, I mentioned that my dad was in the schools here and, and um, as a custodian here, and, and he instilled in us a really important uh, 
ethic in terms of education. My dad grew up in Tennessee in the 1940s and in eastern Tennessee, and, and education opportunities weren't what they are now. Sure. And so he, he didn't have a tremendous amount of formal schooling. And um, that never really slowed him down, in my opinion, in terms of the things that he did. And for him, it was, you know, I want my kids to have that opportunity. I want my kids to appreciate the education that they have and get the most out of it. Like most and parents do, I want better for my kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, for us, it really wasn't a choice. You went to school, you, you listened to the teachers, you uh -huh. did what you were supposed to do. And it didn't hurt that my dad was the custodian down the hallway at McCleary. So, you know, I, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do in class because he's right there. Yep. Um, so that's where a lot of it comes from. Then I would also look at, you know, my sister Judy. And I, I saw her when I was at McCleary. She started, um, she actually started teaching there while I was a student there. That's how much younger than her I am. <laughs> and um, so, you know, watching her come up, you know, through her career and the different things that she's done. And, and, you know, that's a good role model. And then, you know, the teachers that I had in school, really, when I mm -hmm. look back at the teachers that I had in school, um, and, and names that, that float through my mind, like Candy Johnson and Nan Phillips and Jay Jenkins and, uh, Linda Hansen and Ron McKay, who's still teaching. I was in his, his very first class before he had the big Abe Lincoln beard. Sure. Um, but they were all good examples of what, what you should be trying to do in education. And they instilled good values in me as a student and later as a teacher. I got to work with many of these people as a colleague in, in various ways later on. Um, you know, in high school, um, I was very lucky to meet a teacher named Judy Maxwell, who ran the child development program. And through that program, I had the opportunity to find Hope Wall. And that really, really changed my outlook in terms of what it was I wanted to do in education. And you know, things that, that really sort of influenced me about sure. my time there. And then even at Hope Wall, you know, when I volunteered there and I got to be in classrooms with different teachers and, and my, my student teaching and junior block teaching, with people like Julie Shivari and Bev Haymond and Lynn Harris, people that also instilled in me what it means to be a teacher at Hope Wall and what it means to really truly care about the students you have at Hope Wall. That's... I tell you what, that is a, what a, what an awesome note for our teachers that would listen to this podcast to understand that you never, ever know. And we talk about it. We can, we write it down. We have it on logos, but you never know when you're going to make a difference and influence somebody to come back and give to education and give to students. You know, you just riffled off a bunch of names of teachers that were influential in your life. Um, you know, that's, that's an incredible power that you have to influence someone to say, I choose a career because of, of an individual influence or a set of individuals' influence. Uh, what a great note to our, to our folks here. I think, and, and I think any teacher would think this, but the passion that we bring to education isn't our own passion. It's the echo of the passion that other educators have given to us. Well stated. And we're just keeping it going. Well stated. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that passion uh, burning bright with you that certainly does come through. You know, we, we've talked about uh, Hope Wall a couple of times, and Hope Wall is a very unique opportunity that we have in our district that not many are afforded. And um, if you could describe for our listeners uh, the types of students uh, that have certain specific needs that come to Hope Wall, and then a little bit about some of the services that, that you and your staff provide um, because it's uh, until you walk through and, and are able to experience the wonder of Hope Wall, it's hard to describe 
Uh, but if you can do your best, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. So Hopewell is a unique setting in the fact that we're we're a public school, but we serve a, a similar in a similar capacity that some like co-op schools or private schools might serve. Sure. Um, our students, generally speaking, our students um, have some form of an intellectual disability, autism. Um, there's some associated physical disabilities as well. Our students range from preschool all the way through transition, so from three to twenty-two. Absolutely. We, um, you know, and we serve we serve students both from the West Aurora School District and the East Aurora School District, and. You know, we, we focus on different skills throughout the journey at Hopewell. You know, some of the basic academic skills, basic learning how to be at school skills, all the way up through vocational schools, job training, um, uh, you know, basic everyday life skills, things that we might take for granted. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, you get dressed. We have to teach some of those skills in Absolutely. very overt ways for some of these students, which is a challenge, but it also gives us some really unique opportunities to really get to know our students. Um, in terms of services, you know, we're lucky enough to have a, a pretty robust therapy staff that works with us at Hopewell. So we have physical therapy that's there and occupational therapy. Our speech therapists are there. All of our related service people, our nursing staff. Um, we are we are such a fully functioning community in terms of the, the, the services we can provide for kids and their families. Um, it's, it is very unique. And a key point you said, it is, it is also servicing uh, our families. You know, because some of our kids, as you talked about, we, we offer a continuum from age 3 to age 22. And some of our kids, many of our kids, start with us at age 3 and finish their journey with us at age 22. And they never leave that. Um, and so we are part of their family, and their their family is part of us. And so that's a key point. Uh, they're a part of our fabric of who Hopewell is and who District 129 is. I think it is, and I know we have. We're always trying to find new and interesting ways to involve our families. I think um, we know that what we do can't happen consistently and effectively if we're not working closely with families to make sure that we're doing the same things with kids to build those same skills across the school domain and the home domain so everything kind of connects. Um, we're there for the families. Call us. We, you know, we, we, uh, people come to us with questions. Ask us the question. Even if we don't have the answer or it's something we can't specifically provide, we can find something that can help you Absolutely. with that challenge. Absolutely. And I, and I will um, just do a little shout out for you and your team over at Hopewell. Um, you talked about some of the things that we take for granted every day that we're able to do um, and some of our kids are challenged to do. And um, the efforts and supports, uh, the, the compassion, um, the patience uh, that you and your team exhibit to help our kids uh, become more and more functional every day um, is truly an, uh, an awe-inspiring. And it, um, I, I just can't, can't appreciate it any more than I do. Um, other than saying uh, we applaud, we appreciate, and we thank you guys uh, for, for those great efforts. Um, you talked briefly about having some opportunity to interact with Hopewell when you were a student and kind of piqued your curiosity. So talk to us a little more about what drew you to Hopewell. What was it that said, hmm, this may be something for me? Okay. So in, when I was at West Aurora High School, I did take the child development programs. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. That, that was never a question. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to teach. Sure. Um, nothing really like, really drew me in excited. It was like, okay, I know I'm going to teach something. I guess I'll figure it out. Um, in child development, 
in child development levels two and three at the time, you were able to go out to um, places in the district, in elementary school or Hopewell, to do like some observations for a period of time during the day. Not unlike what our PE leaders program from West is yes. doing at Hopewell right now. Yes. Um, and so Which I, seems to be an exciting opportunity for both sides. I, to see the students come in with the same sort of wonder and surprise and joy that I had, it's good for me. I like it. Um, I have a special place in my heart for that program. Um, so we had some opportunities to choose whether we wanted to go out to an elementary school or Hopewell, and many of us didn't even know what Hopewell was. Um, my brother worked at Hopewell for crying out loud, and I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the school, really, which I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention at home or we just was your brother. talking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we've, we had an opportunity to take a field trip there, and I remember getting off the bus and walking in the doors and walking down the hallway and just thinking, wow, this is so different. Yeah. This is nothing I ever would have imagined. And just watching people interact with kids in ways I had never even knew you could. With kids... I had never even had an opportunity to interact with in my life. And I was stunned. And I knew walking through that school, I wanted to come back and do my volunteering there. And I had the opportunity to volunteer in two different classrooms. Uh, I did this in the level two. I was in a, a elementary class for uh, students with disabilities, uh, mild disabilities. And then uh, actually the next year I came back and did the intermediate class and many of those students had moved up. So I sure. got to see the same students looping. Uh, again and again. Um, but one of the things that really sticks out in my mind, one of the days I was there, the class I was with was going on a field trip. So uh, they dropped me off in another class and it happened to be um, Bev Heyman's classroom, um, who I later uh, student taught with. And I was working with a student who'd had some neck surgeries or something, but they needed to have her practice lifting her head up and down. And so they gave me all these little canisters that had like cinnamon or sage or different smells in them. And I would put them under her nose and then she would react by lifting her head up. And I sat there and did this for probably a half an hour. And I remember thinking, this is so cool. Um, and I knew when I was done with that, I knew that, that this is what I wanted to do. This is where I wanted to be. And um, thankfully, again, I, another, another thanks to Judy Maxwell, who was able to find a special education tuition waiver that allowed me to go to NIU to major in special ed. And then I was able to come back and I did my student teaching with Bev and with uh, Julie Shivari and Lynn Harris and, and just so happened that the transition exceptional needs position was opening up at the end of that year. And I was lucky enough to interview and, and, and earn that position. Cue the music. Um, well, hold off on that just a okay. second. So um, like any story, things loop around. Um, <clears throat> So the student I worked with that day was on my roster for my first year. The student that had the canisters. Sure. She passed away the day before school started. Uh. So I never had the opportunity to have her as a student, but it was nice to complete that circle. You bet. And I look back on that now and I see how that story influenced me. So. Absolutely. So that's how I got there. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, you, can, you can hear and feel that passion today. So I appreciate you sharing that. I know that's, uh, you know, you, that helps me... Um, Think about, you know, you talk about that student and, and many of our students are physically, medically challenged in a variety of ways. And sometimes we, unfortunately, we, we lose some of our kids. So talk about some of the biggest challenges that you have being at Hopewall. So I think the biggest challenge is, is balancing that passion that you have balancing the, 
that the relationships you build with students with that desire to push them to do more than, than some people in life have told them they can do, sure. which is unfortunate. Um, we, we don't do that at Hopewell. We don't have, we don't place limits. We don't, we don't believe in that. Um, we're very much an I can. Um, and I think it, it's hard work. And anybody that says working with students with disabilities isn't hard work, teaching in general isn't hard mm. work, it is. And, and it's, it's exhausting work some days. And you're challenged in ways you didn't think you'd be challenged. You, you come in every morning not knowing exactly what that day is going to give you. Your best laid plan, the lesson plan you have laid out, the day, the way you thought your day was going to go, it's not going to go that way. And I think it's interesting to watch a first-year teacher develop through the year when they come in and they have that lesson plan and they know it's going to work and you watch them for the first couple of weeks get really frustrated because you see that the thing they wanted to do isn't what's happening and you see them start to embrace that over the course of the year where they understand that flexibility that I'm building in I'm building in for a reason and and, and you see that growth and that's a that's a wonderful thing so you see it in the staff but you also see that growth in the students over time and I think that's one of the best things is um, for example, we had a, a student this week who uh, took his first steps in like 14 years. Oh, wow. Um, we posted a video on Facebook. I mean, we were thrilled. Milestone. We, you know, Absolutely. It, it was huge to see that. And he was laughing. Like, he loved every second of it. But like, those are moments you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. That's a hope wall thing. Like, you don't get that anywhere else. Uh, we, we say that a lot at Hope Hall. This, this is a Hope Hall thing. Nobody else would, would, would appreciate it the way we do. But, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. So you talked about that, that specific uh, moment. What are some of the, the best parts uh, of your, of now you're, you know, you've, you've gone from a, a student to piquing your curiosity, uh, doing your student teaching, uh, to being a teacher. Now you're in charge of the whole place. So what are some of the best parts about working at Hope Hall? Um, I like standing out at the buses every day and watching the kids come in and greeting them as they come oh, in. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, again, you come in the morning with whatever stress you carry with you from home, and then you watch the kids come in with no stress. They're just happy to be there. And it's, it's liberating. I mean, you see this, and you're like, yeah, the things I'm worrying about, I shouldn't be worrying about. This is what matters right here. Um, you know, the people. You build such close relationships with that. It's such a close-knit staff. And you, you, you really do support each other. And it's it, that... That environment is something that, I mean, if you're not, if you don't have that in the school that you're in, you need it because it, it really makes a difference when, when a challenge does come up that pushes the staff in a different direction, that close knit tightness, we will come and support each other and move through it and make it better by the time we're done. That's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can see that uh, when someone needs, you know, people jump in and say, I got this or I can help with that. Uh, they don't wait to be asked. Uh, they identify a need, and you can see that whether it's a, a basketball game or an mm -hmm. assembly or just in a classroom event where they're putting two classrooms together, uh, you can see the adults just um, every man pitching in. So many hands make light to work, right? Yep. yep. You know, um, speaking of, of um, just the facility and some of the challenges of seeing kids coming on buses, uh, there is a, a play space over there that um, was, was built long ago and far away in Star Wars terminology. Um, it's very archaic and, and in need of replacement. Um, and as we've been uh, broaching the topic, we have found that uh, building a new playground that's all-inclusive is, uh, is not a small task. Not at in all. In terms of the effort and of the finances. Not at all. Um, but we are not deterred. 
And so we are in a process. I think we have a couple of playgrounds that we're working at uh, some grant money and some uh, matching and some general contributions to. But if you could talk to us a little bit about, okay, so it's play-based and it costs, you know, upwards of a half a million dollars because of the special needs that we have to provide for and the safety and the accessibility. Why is an inclusive playground for our Hope Wall students so important? So a lot of what we do involves gross motor movement. Yes. A lot of the physical therapy pieces involve gross motor movement. Um, there are spaces for that on our existing playscape, but that playscape is made of wood. Yep. And, and unfortunately, wood ages, mm -hmm. and, and it's not what it used to be. And it's, it's not providing the opportunities for every student to be able to go and interact with something. And whether mm -hmm. it's the gross motor stuff or whether it's the sensory input, we had you know bells and chimes and things on the, the wooden playground that have gone away over time. And so those opportunities are limited. Maybe it's getting to the wheelchair swing so our kids in wheelchairs can get that vestibular input from swinging back and forth. Well, you can't get to the wheelchair swing because you're trying to push through six inches of, of loose mulch. Yes. And that's not great for chairs. Correct. Um, having the opportunity to have a playground with a nice flat surface where there are multiple opportunities for sensory, gross, motor, vestibular input, all of that within accessible range and with double wide ramps to get up to things. And Even the social emotional interaction would be helpful. Well, and that's another part of it too, is play is so important in a variety of ways. So much of what we learn in terms of social interaction with other people, so much of what we learn in terms of negotiating situations, um, applying the skills that we're learning in class. Absolutely. We're learning communication skills. We're learning to take turns. So let's go out and play and actually put these things into practice. Um, and that's not even the, you know, talking about like the health benefits of actually getting out and moving, mm. which is important. Um, but, you know, having a place where all of our students can go and, and feel like they can actively involve themselves in some meaningful play would be huge for us. Well, I, I know that uh, you're certainly uh, immersed in that process, as is the district and, and several other folks. So we're, uh, we're looking forward to push that through so we can get that done because we think that's important as well. So appreciate your efforts to support that. You know, um, anybody that might listen, even any of the students that would, would tune in, uh, to their favorite podcast channel um, that would listen to this and and might say, you know, I, I hear Dr. Collette's passion and his his um, lifelong vision, you know, as a student saying, hey, I know what I want to do and I want to, what I want to be. What advice do you give to students who may think about working with students with special needs? So one of the things that happens when you work as a special education teacher is you'll, you'll, You'll have conversation with people and they say, what do you do for a living? And you'll say, I'm a special education teacher. And you will get some version of this response. You must have so much patience. Ah. Yeah, patience is important. But I place a much higher value on impatience. I think a patient person will accept the same thing from a student day after day after day and never look to change. Sure. An impatient person speaks fluently the language of change and knows exactly <laughs> what it is they want to see the next like day and is willing to make changes and, and, and ask for changes and encourage changes in a student. Now, that can go too far too. You could be too impatient sure. and, and push too far and, and that can be a detriment to change. But I think if you're going to work with a student, be patient, but, but also be impatient. Be patiently impatient if you will. Know when the right time is to push that student and expect something different. Always look to see what the next thing we can do is. Never lose sight of, of this student can do a, an amazing amount of things, but always keep looking to see what that next thing is and keep pushing us to get there. That, that elite coach mentality. Yeah. How do we get better today? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
You know, I, I want to I want to take us a little different direction. Uh, you had talked uh, the two years that you were out on uh, special assignment, um, as our evaluation process in the state of Illinois was was transitioning. Talk to us about uh, your transition, your personal transition. You know, they say it's going to the dark side, and, and I, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that, having done that myself. But talk to us about your, your evolution, your transition from the teacher ranks to the administrator. What was that like? Ironically, when I, the, the day it was announced that I was taking that position, I changed my Facebook profile picture to Darth Vader. But <laughs> um, aside from that, um, you know, it's because you build such close relationships with people in the, in the building, those relationships instantly change. When you, when you cross that border mm. in, into administration, suddenly your relationship changes. But the expectations of how you're going to interact with people don't change. They still expect certain ways of behaving from you. Sure. And so that gets difficult because mm -hmm. sometimes you, you, you come to a point where you have to have that conversation with someone and it's awkward and it's difficult. Very much it's so. It's the right thing to do. But it's awkward and it's difficult. And it's navigating those relationships that, for me, that was the biggest challenge. Um, you know, being able to see the school from a bigger perspective, having the opportunity to interact with every student in the building, that's a wonderful benefit yes. to the role. Um, but then navigating those people, pieces of it, that's, that's the biggest challenge. It really is. And getting to see the school from that, that 75,000 foot elevation yes. is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but, a, it's a blessing it, and, a, and, a, and a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that, you know, because I, I taught in the same classroom for the years that I was at Hope Wall, and to be able to get past that and see all the wonderful things going on in multi-needs and all the wonderful things going on in life skills and the other ENC classrooms and our spirit program and early childhood, totally different perspective on the flow that our students get to feel as they come through the program. That was just gets my mind going in terms of what different things can we do? How can we, how can we leverage this and really make this powerful for kids? Did you get a feeling, did people treat you differently? Was there a, was there a different approach, you know, once you had that moniker of, of principal? Yes. And not in ways that I would have ever expected. Yeah. I don't think I'm an intimidating person necessarily, but people would come and talk to me and their hands would be shaking. Or you'd notice little things like suddenly they're really nervous to have a simple conversation. Yes. With me. It's like, I, I'm still me. Like, we can talk. It's okay. Like, it, it, relax. It's okay. How many times did you have to say that? More than I would have liked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I still do sometimes. But, and I get it. And there are times when those conversations aren't as pleasant and... and it, it happens, but part of the, for the part most of responsibility, part, you know, that open communication piece is really important. And, and I, I try to stress that as much as I can. So I, you know what, that's a, I think that's a real fear of aspiring administrators. You know, I, I'm not sure what video people are watching or what visions they have when they go, Ooh, that looks like, you know, I, I want to try that. And then once they sit in the chair, they go, Ooh, there's a lot more to this. And it's, it's not as fun as it looked from that side of the, of the table. So if, if there is a, a room full of aspiring administrators, they've been in teaching for a few years, and they go, you know, I'm thinking, what counsel would you give them? I think there's a few things I'd say. One of the things that has just crossed my mind right now is, um, you know, 
and I've, I've actually said this to other people. When I was a teacher, I dealt with my stress. <laughs> now that I sit in the big chair, I get to deal with everybody's stress. And so I get to carry more things on my shoulder than I ever carried before. And Good so, for you, huh? Um, yeah, it's great. Um, but it also helps me to um, communicate and, 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 and connect with people in that regard. Like, I understand the stress. I was in the classroom. I feel that. But at the same time, there are also things that are totally unique to me. And it's like, okay, let's work on this together and see if we can't come to an understanding. But at the end of the day, if somebody's having a rough day, a challenge with a student, and I'm not able to give them the support that I need to that day, that's something I'm going to be thinking about when I get home that day. That's a new thing. That's something that came with the job. But in terms of, of, of other advice, I think when we talk about what we do in a classroom, we often talk about differentiating. Mm. We differentiate for students. Um, I think when it comes to administration, you kind of have to do the same thing with your people in the building. You also have to differentiate. Not everybody receives messages the same way. I could sit in a staff meeting with all 100 people that sit in the staff meeting, and I there are probably 50 different interpretations of the things that I said that Absolutely. walk out of that room. And so making sure that I'm giving that information in multiple ways so that the information gets through. And, and if there are some people that would prefer to have an individual conversation about something, then you find ways to connect with people to make sure that we're all communicating the right way, making sure that we're all sort of speaking that same language. You and bet. I, but I think sometimes um, the challenge, too, then is balancing that because some people, you know, if you differentiate too much, they think you're, you're communicating especially with one group rather than another. But it's just trying to make sure everybody hears the right thing. I would agree. I would agree that, uh, you know, that communication word keep, continues to pop up as a, as a challenge for all of us. And, you know, communication is giving and sharing information as well as receiving. So um, everyone has that responsibility. I think another thing that comes to mind, too, is everybody's so afraid to make a mistake. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're asked to make a thousand different decisions in a given day. Inevitably, 20 of those, 20% of those, we'll say, are probably not going to be the best decision you could have made in that moment, but it was the one you had to make. And so it, it, it's okay to make a mistake. Don't dwell on it. Don't live in it. Don't stare in the rearview mirror. You're going forward. Look that way and figure out what was it about this mistake that I can take with me so I don't make that same mistake again. Absolutely. And you might find that 20% tomorrow looks more like 15. It might look like 32 because everybody has a day. <laughs> Understand. Yeah, I... I certainly can, you know, and principles, building principles are, don't always have the latitude of, of taking a moment uh, to, to consider and think about multiple options. Uh, they're very reactionary in times. I sat in that chair for 11 years and, and it comes at you um, full speed. And sometimes it's, it's how do we just help people move forward. Mm -hmm. And so I certainly appreciate uh, where you're at and, and your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, one of the things that, from my experience and my in the role that I'm in at Hopewell, I'm lucky because I have such an amazing staff. You have dedicated people who are there for the kids and, you know, a challenge comes up and you have that conversation, you work through it together and it helps to know that the people who are doing the heavy lifting out in the rooms, literally in some instances, yes. um, they're, they're capable, they're knowledgeable, they're dedicated and they're the right people in the right roles. And that makes my job infinitely easier. Can't argue one bit. That's, that's an awesome thing to have. I see you in motion every single day. So I'm going to ask you to, to, to reach back in your way back machine, or maybe not the, 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 the far so um, way back. Um, what are some of your proudest moments at Hopewell? Every graduation that we do, ah. I think um, 
you know, if you're listening and you've never been to a Hopewell graduation, huh. you got to come to a Hopewell graduation. It's not like any graduation you've ever been to. Nothing even close. Um, but th- that's definitely there. I mean, I, I can look back in my classroom days, different students that I worked with that I saw, you know, accomplish different things. And sometimes it's just as simple as the kids smiling at you that morning. Like, you know, you're in the right place doing the right thing with the right people. Um, you know, I, when I think about just personally, when I think about my proudest moments, there very few of them are things that I've done. They're, they're all things I've watched other people do. Yeah. Um, my youngest daughter, this past uh, November, uh, at Oroctus, which is a fun word, it's a Midwest Irish dance competition, um, was recalled in her very first competition. So she danced, she looked at the results and got recalled, so she got to go up on stage to get her award. Very it's nice. a big deal for yeah, a 10-year-old. Absolutely. Um, uh, my, my older daughter is into theater, so seeing her on the stage in Fiddler or Elf Jr., or, uh, I think she's working on Spam a lot right now, like, to, see, to see her kind of come out of her shell. She was so quiet and shy, and now I see her up there interacting with people on stage, doing something that I probably would never do. Sure. And uh, it's just so wonderful to see her do that. Um, those are the things that make me proud. Well, we appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. It's... Um you know, I just want to echo the, the graduation piece one more time. It's, um, I didn't know what I was going to be in for. I've seen, as a principal, um, some of our special needs graduations, but nothing, nothing remotely uh, to what we do at Hope Wall. And uh, there's not a dry eye in the place. Every single family um, is smiling from ear to ear and so appreciative. You can see the, um, the passion and compassion from both uh, administrators, staff members, family members, students, um, board members from both East and West Aurora come and they're just, they, they walk away shaking their head. It's what an amazing experience. So we appreciate uh, you doing that. That's uh, what an incredible opportunity. My pleasure. And, and just really want to echo our, our sentiments we started with. Um, thank you so much for sharing your, your, some of your thoughts, um, sharing your journey with us. Uh, and taking the time out of your busy schedule to be able to just talk about uh, the evolution of uh, Dr. Terry Collette. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for being here this morning. I enjoyed it. Uh, we appreciate it to visiting with you. Dr. Terry Collette, principal at Hope Wall School. Uh, we pl- please remember that you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and the TuneIn Radio app. And I would encourage you to subscribe to our broadcast and please give us your feedback so we can continue to improve our discussions. Thank you again. All right, thank you.